0: myers joins the podcast to look back at the amazing year that was 2019 and looking ahead to what's in store for 2020 stay tuned
1: welcome to the true True Condos condos podcast with Andrew Lafleur the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto
0: hi there and welcome back to the show thanks for tuning in as always Andrew Lafleur here and very excited to bring you once again uh, as a guest on today's show Ben Myers Ben Myers of bullpen Consulting he is an industry veteran and well known as one of the top real estate if not the top real estate analysts in Canada and always great to have Ben on the show and hear his insights so we talked about many things looking back on the year of 2019. What happened in the rental market, the resale market, the pre-construction market. It was an incredible year. And we looked ahead, put the brought out the crystal ball, looking ahead into the future for 2020. And we talked about some of the challenges. Uh, although the market is very strong, we talked about some of the challenges that are facing investors as we head into 2020. So you'll be wanting to hear Ben's thoughts on that. And once again, if you ever want to get a hold of me, reach me. The best way to do so is to send me an email, andrew at truecondos.com. Or call me, text me, 416-371-2333. And uh, you'll want to listen all the way to the end. Ben Myers has a new podcast, so we talk about that as well. So if you're a fan of podcasts, you'll definitely want to check out Ben Myers' podcast. If you want to get a link to that, you can do so in the show notes for this episode. So without further delay, here's my interview with Ben Myers. Ben, welcome back to the show. Thanks for uh, being on here again. Really appreciate uh, returning once again to the show.
1: Thanks Andrew, happy to be here.
0: Yeah, happy New Year to you too. Um want to start maybe with one an article you recently put out which I thought was a great title, a great place to start for uh, condo investors especially. The headline was without investors the Toronto condo market would be much worse. Uh, I thought that was a great title and for those who haven't read the article what do you mean what what is what was your main point of that article and uh, what are you trying to say in that uh, because sure. I think it's so important for condo investors to hear this message.
1: Yeah, so I've been, you know, obviously following the market extremely close since probably around 2007 when I was you know, when I was working at the Altus Group and doing uh, residential market studies for uh, for developers, and then you know when I took over at uh, at Urbanation and and uh, eventually ran that company for four years and worked there for six years. So I have talked with and met with. Um, you know, just about every major broker that operates uh, and sells new new condos, all the major developers were my clients and would know, do presentations for them and and speak with them. Um, and I would go to the sales offices and and speak with those agents. So I think I come with a a fairly uh, strong um, you know expertise in in what's driving the market and what would happen if certain things change in the market. So so back in in 2007, you know it was it was a boom year for for new condos, but but investors were probably only buying 30 to 40 percent of the the units, and the buildings that were getting built were. Max 25 um, you know 30 stories maybe a maybe a 35 story tower but there were 250 um, 300 unit uh, projects and so as as the number of investors started to increase as people started to you know fundamentally believe in the in the Toronto marketplace uh, investors started to uh, to increase and so what did developers do in response to that well they did bigger towers they did you know, 40 story towers, 50 story towers, 60 story towers. And as the, the, the level of investors went up, they built uh, bigger towers. All right. Um, so they responded to that uh, additional demand with you know, additional supply. Um, and, and so, so the point that, that a lot of people out there believe is that, oh, well, if it wasn't for these investors buying up all these units, well, there'd be less demand in the marketplace uh, and prices would be lower. Right. But that's, it's just not the case is because developers took that additional demand and added a bunch of additional units. And what does that do? Well, the, well, you know, 40, 50, 60% of those units, in some cases, 70% of those units are being rented out. So it's providing a purpose it's providing a rental supply to, uh, um, to people that, that one don't have the down payment to to purchase a new condominium, two don't want to put twenty percent down, <laughs> right? They they only have five percent to put down, so um, you know they could buy when the building is complete at five percent instead of twenty percent. They don't have to worry about the building uh, being canceled. Um, so there's a number of reasons that um, we need investors to, uh, to, to, to get those 70-story towers. And now what do we have? We have a 95-story tower, right? There's absolutely no way that end users would um, buy enough pre-construction units in a building that's going to take five years to maybe six years to be complete uh, and put 20% down at Thirteen hundred, fourteen hundred dollars a square foot to uh, to to even come close to financing a ninety-five story building. So we would get a lot less supply in the marketplace, and you know we prices would would go up accordingly in the resale market, right? I mean, I think that these things are just so obvious to me. But um, we we want to find a scapegoat in the marketplace. We want to we want to say, okay, it's investors. Oh, we want it's developers setting prices too high. Uh, I just tweeted out a, a land sale for ninety million dollars or eighty million dollars, I think it was for uh, um, you know the Value Village site at, at Lansdowne and Bloor. You want someone to blame? Blame the, the owner of that property, right? That probably paid, you know. <laughs> a couple million dollars 15 years ago and now he gets 80 million dollars for for uh essentially taking hardly any risk whatsoever right uh, it's the guy it's developers that are taking risk so obviously they're going to try to make a decent return on that right so and investors are obviously taking risk as well the market could go down the rents could not cover their uh um um their 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 monthly uh, costs um when when the building is complete, the project could get cancelled, so then they've uh, you know essentially wasted that uh, that capital and that could have been allocated somewhere else. so they're they're taking the risk too too that uh, these the, these buildings won't happen or they won't make a a return. So again, that was a pretty long-winded answer, but uh, kind of gets at some of the key points that i that I wrote about in that article.
0: Yeah, that's great. And at the end of the day, uh, us as investors, condo investors, we're providing a very valuable service to the marketplace in the form of rental supply. I mean, you kind of hinted at it, but that's, you know, where would the rental market be without uh, all those investors, as you say, taking on that risk and fronting that capital up front for something that's not going to be not even guaranteed, but you know, it's supposed to be built in in four, five, six years. Uh, imagine if all those investors did not buy all those condos and they were not built, where would the rental market be? Yeah. Right. So exactly. like what, so people who are, yeah, people who are trying to scapegoat investors. All oh, their investors are the reason why prices are so high. Well, perhaps maybe you could theoretically make that argument, but you take them out of the equation then what would be the consequences? And the first thing would be, there'd be no rent, no new rental supply. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there's there's certainly a few projects that I thought were were overvalued that some investors supported which, you know, makes me roll my eyes a little bit because, you know, then the next uh, landowner that, that, um, you know, selling their property they say, Oh, well, you know, Joe Schmo over there got, you know, 1450 per square foot. So therefore I'm going to sell my land based off of residual value of 1475 or $1,500 a square foot. Right. So there's, there's a measure of that. And, and certainly there's a few developers that come out with pricing that I, that I, I shake my head and say, well, you know, that's, that's getting, that's getting a little greedy. I know what you paid for your land. So I know, <laughs> and I know that, 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 that price that you came out with is, is probably not justified that you're probably getting a little bit, uh, um, you know, I hate to use the word greedy, but, uh, but then when you look back at, at, you know, the pro some of the projects that came out in, in late 2016 and early 2017 and blew out their sales in, uh, you know, in three months or four months and then construction costs went up 20, 25% before they could uh, get their shovels in the ground. Well, I'm betting they, 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 bet that they were a little bit greedier at, at that time. Um, and cause they're going to make a single digit return or, or um, you know, maybe even close to zero return. Right. And some of them are only building these buildings uh, for their reputation uh, as opposed to, uh, uh, as opposed to making a lot of money. So that's certainly something to take into consideration. I, I know I was naive when I was, you know, when I was at the, uh, at Urbanation. I thought, well, you know, a building got built. So therefore the developer must've made a lot of money, but it's not, not actually the case. There's a lot of developers are just scraping by with making enough, um, you know, to pay, pay their trades in the end. Right. So, um, yeah, some of the, some of the larger developers who know what they're doing and can have some some power over the trades and uh, and uh, have better negotiation skills, uh, they're much more likely to to be profitable. But some of the new players uh, that uh, have popped up, and certainly there have been a been a lot over the last last ten years, a lot of them are you know they're uh, they're struggling to uh, to uh, to make it work.
0: What surprised you most looking back at 2019? What surprised you most about the year? I'm curious to hear. So maybe we could break it down into three main categories of the rental market, the resale market, the pre-construction market. So maybe start with rental. Uh, What surprised you most in 2019 about the rental market?
1: Yeah. So we, we look at, um, so I use data and, and do analysis for a company called rentals.ca, which is a national rental listing platform. So I do analysis for them on a monthly basis. So I'm looking at, you know, 10,000, 12,000 listings across the country every single month. And, uh, and certainly a lot of those are, are located in Toronto and a lot of those are, are, are condo rentals. So, you know, in 2018, you know, the condo rentals were going up, you know, ten to fifteen percent, and now they've definitely cooled off, right? So I think they're only up about five percent year over year. So I was a little bit surprised that it cooled off so quickly. Uh, but purpose built rentals were 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 going up, you know, ten percent, right? So kind of kind of crazy. But I just think the the stress test has pushed everyone down on the property ladder. So there's just even more of a um, you know a, a what's the word I'm looking for just a a bundle up, I guess, at the bottom of the market, right. That's just, you know, everyone's, everyone's, trying to get the cheapest rentals that are out there. And those, those typically are those, you know, um, purpose-built rental apartments built in the fifties and sixties. They might be slightly larger, but they don't have very many amenities. Um, and they're, you know, a very low level of an interior finish. Right. But now that rents are going up so quickly, you know, you're seeing some of these landlords saying, well, now it makes more sense for me to do a 15,000 or $20,000 renovation of, of, of one of these suites or more. To uh, so I can I can make that back by being able to charge a, a much higher rent. So that's certainly um, um, you know something that's happening in the market. Um, unfortunately, you know some landlords, some private landlords, are doing similar stuff as well, right? So and that certainly made made a lot of the news, but it's funny, it's funny how we talked about the stress test and people said, well, that's, you know, absolutely we need the stress test where people taking on too much debt, you know, prices are getting too high. And I said, well, you know, guess what? The demand's not gonna go away right? So you switch it from ownership to the rental market and and there's not enough supply in the rental market either. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing rents go up, um, you know, other than, you know, Saskatchewan and Alberta, they're going up across the country, even in in a lot of small um, municipalities, you know, London, Ontario was up something crazy, like 15, 20% year over year. So, um, you know, the demand goes somewhere. So, yeah, so the rental market, we'll we'll see. I, th- I think we're going to have more supply come on the market. I always talk about the kind of like the four year lag between pre construction sales and, the, and then those units coming into uh, to completion. So 2016 was a very strong year. It was uh, a record at the time for for pre construction sales. I think they did twenty nine thousand sales in the in the uh, the Greater Toronto Area in 2016. So a lot of those units will be coming. Coming to completion in 2020, so that should uh, help ease the uh, the pace of rent. So maybe maybe not what your <laughs> what your investor clients would hear, but uh, would want to hear. But and again, we still but we still need affordability. You, you, you can you can see rents going up, but uh, you know you don't want to you don't want to be stuffing five people into your two bedroom unit just so they can afford the rent, right? So there has to be has to be some type of uh, equilibrium in the market there.
0: Switching gears to the resale market, we just got the stats in for the final stats for December for 2019. So now we know the, f- the final figures of-, of the resale market in the GTA, um, which I'm sure you've been looking at. What what surprised you most about the resale market in the GTA in 2019?
1: Yeah, I mean, the last few months were kind of crazy, right? Kind of came out of nowhere with, uh, with the price growth and now single family homes are up double digits and um, you know, condo price is still up double digits. Uh, the level of sales is still below where it should be. Uh, and again, I think that's, that's related to the stress test. I think there's still, there's still people that would maybe want to be selling, but they're, they're, they're not quite confident enough in the market. And I think that'll start to come next year. I think when people, uh, uh, see that consistent level of, of price growth in the market, then they'll say, okay, yeah, now I feel more confident in, in selling my home and listing my home. So I think that will, that will help, you know, add a little bit more supply. And then again, with uh, the additional, you know, condo supply hitting the market um, should add a little bit more supply, but I'm, I'm bullish. I think we'll, we'll, we'll see, I, we'll see four to 5% growth in, in the market next year overall. Um, it's hard to break it down because I, I, I'm not looking at it maybe just in, in, in as as great a detail as, as some people, but I'm still, I'm still confident. You know, we, we, the CMHC, uh, forecast 139,000 growth for the, for the Toronto CMA next year, right? Like that's just unbelievable, Population. right? Population growth. Yeah. So, yeah. um, a hundred and I think they estimated 120, 130,000 for 2019 and 2018 was 125,000. Right. So this is, this is huge levels of growth, right? Um, when, you know, we, people always threw out the number 100,000. We're getting 100,000 nope. new people in, uh, in the, Toronto, yeah. the Toronto CMA, but actually the number was slightly lower at 80 to 90, right? So, um, so getting it up to 140,000 would be, uh, be unbelievable, right, in terms of, uh, I don't know where these people are living. Obviously, they're, you know, they're doubling up and they're living in smaller spaces than they ever have uh, uh, before. But uh, we'll see. I mean, I certainly don't see any any uh, anything on the horizon that will, uh, um, you know, that will cause a major downturn. But, hey, Trump is uh, is look like he's trying to start a war. So um, and there has been, you know, when you look at the, uh, the the labor force information, it's always just so up and down every single month. So it's hard to get a get a read on it. But where most of the jobs are getting added in Canada are Ontario, right? So yep. um, so it makes me feel confident that uh, the market is, is still going to uh, be strong in 2020.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned something off the top of that comment uh, around the fact that sales, despite you know the big improvement, especially the last few months in the resale market, the number of sales are still uh, below sort of the where they, you know, where they sort of should be based on the, the the number of people that live here, right? Uh so when I look at that, I mean, do you, and when you look at that, do you sort of say, like, we just keep kicking the can down the road with the stress test and all this other stuff that at some point we're gonna have another one of these crazy 20, 30% years of price growth because the supply problem just persists. And you know, we can try to suppress demand as much as we can, but you know, it's like water. It just, it always finds its way out and it finds its level. Um, and, and at some point, you know, the, we're going to see this big spike because there's just, there should be, there normally should be a lot more sales, but there's just, there's not, there's no supply. There's nothing for these people to buy.
1: Yeah. And, and we talk a lot about, you know, that demand was too strong. There's too many speculators, what have you, what have you, but mm, mm. they're not completely separate. Like, if you pull down demand, guess what? There's less people that can afford to buy a new home. Therefore, those new homes don't get built. Therefore, right. supply also goes down, right? right? So that's certainly something to take into consideration. That, I think has had a huge impact in in the the low rise housing market in the greater Toronto area. Just people could not afford to buy those those really expensive new homes. And developers were reluctant to obviously to to lower their pricing because because they know there's not a lot of low rise supply. And in some instances, it took them five to ten years to get this project approved. (laughs) So they're not gonna give them away. Uh, and, and now I think we're finally seeing developers um, you know, come with more realistic market pricing, but demand is, is, is certainly impact demand, certainly impacts supply. They're not, you know, um, completely separate things, right. Whenever you don't have enough supply, um, it leads to, um, you know, speculative runs and you see prices start to go up quickly. And then you say, "Uh Oh, price is going up quickly. I got to get in there. And then, and then obviously the, the, those, those true speculators that just want to buy and and flip in three months, those guys start to come out of the woodworks. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and and that's certainly something that, that, that we don't want. I mean, I don't know. I'm not an expert on debt. Obviously I see the same numbers that are getting quoted in the newspaper every, every, uh, um, uh, you know, every month about the the debt to disposable income ratios and all these things, which I, which I don't think people really truly understand. They just say, Hey, look, this is terrible. You know, like, that's not allowed people to, 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 you know, buy homes. Right. And and for me, you know what, (laughs) we can only protect people so much, right. You know, if they want to, if they want to take a big mortgage, but then they want to eat macaroni and cheese all day long and, uh, you know, wear the same shoes, uh, for 10 years, that's, that's up to them. You can, you could put someone with the stress test and they could go out and buy a boat and, and take a $10,000 vacation the very next day. Right. So you you can only control for some of this stuff so much. Right. So, um,
0: we've got to crack down on boat owners.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, well, where's I, the
0: anger? Where's the anger against the boat owning?
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, come on. If <laughs> you want to
0: talk about bad debts, come on. <laughs>
1: and uh yeah, I just I, I don't know where the two percent stress test came from, right? Mm-hmm. I don't understand why they didn't do just you yeah. know Plus fifty basis points, or hundred basis points, and see what impact that would have on the market, right? And say, okay, let's see um, wh- what what this is going to do. And uh, Evan Siddle always talks about how it, it's worked, it's worked, it's worked, but he never talks about what's happened in the rental market, right? And how doesn't you know, mention it every single day. There's another article coming out in the Globe or the Star or or some of these other newspapers across the country about the the rental crisis and the rent evictions and like hmm you know, what, what could have been the, uh, the, 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 the thing that caused that, you know, um, rent control and stress test, right? Exactly what we, but that people in the know have kind of said was going to happen, that there's going to be just this, this negative impact on the, the poorest people in the country. And that's exactly what's, what's happened. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so it's unfortunate. Yeah, I mean,
0: but- it's like, you're, you're talking out of two sides of the mouth. Like well, on the one hand, it's like, let's stress test is working. It's great. It's made things more affordable and it's reduce prices, you know, they won't come out and say it exactly like that, but basically they wanted to reduce prices and they did for many segments of the market. They, they did achieve that goal. Uh, but yeah, they, and then on the other side, it's like, we're going to increase immigration uh, to the same place where we're trying to reduce prices, right? We're going to increase <laughs> the demand naturally by bringing in way more people than we ever have. And these people, by the way, these people have a lot of money that they're, they're bringing with them too. So they're, they're going to be buyers very soon in this market as well. So, you know, it's, it's, that's what I always find interesting is just that disconnect between the policy uh, on the one hand of, of, of soaring immigration, which is great for our economy overall. Yes, I I love it. But on the other hand, it's like they're champions of making housing more affordable. And it's like, you know,
1: (laughs) yeah well it's the same as it's the same as you know we when they put in the green belt and they had the places to grow act right we want we mm-hmm. want density we want right. people to live in. Uh, apartments, right? Oh, but oh, wait, wait, wait. Not apartments like where there's already like single detached homes. Those are established neighborhoods. We don't want to put them there. Oh, okay. Well, can we put them at young and anything? Yeah, but not so many because we don't have (laughs) enough schools and there's not enough transit. And okay, well, how about we put some density in uh, the suburbs? You know, like, uh, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. We moved to the suburbs because we didn't like the density. We don't like high rise towers. This is disgusting. We don't want this here, right? So it's like you can't put in a policy uh, that that says you want high density, but then do absolutely nothing else to support getting higher density, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's so absurd, and and that's why we have this. You know, we're running into this situation uh, that that we are now with with runaway prices, right? Yeah, like what was the what was the average price for the GTA in, in December? Was it eight eighty or something?
0: Um, yeah, and, something like that. Yeah,
1: yeah, and the peak of the market in 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 march of uh or april of of 2017 was um like 920. so we're almost right back to it right i mean it Mm -hmm. was uh i think i put out a poll and said how long do you think how long do you think it will be before it goes up to the peak and i think most people said about three years so we're 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 they were they were pretty much correct in their uh their assessment of it um and uh so yeah, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate for people that are, that are, they're trying to get into their, to their first home. Right. Um, you know, I, I just, it just blows my mind. Like I'm, I'm underwriting new condo deals at, at 1475 a square foot. Right. And and I'm justified in making those, uh, right. uh, those, those, um, revenue assessments for my clients. Right. Yeah. I just, and I, I, I just, I'm still stuck in 2011, you know, when prices <laughs> got to, six hundred dollars a square foot and i'm like i cannot believe this this is such a crazy price it's up a hundred dollars yeah. per square foot in a single year and now i'm looking at projects that launch phase one at 900 and phase two at 1325 right like yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the same project yeah
1: no i just i, yeah. I, I i'm just i'm just shocked yeah at we
0: the used to out. yeah we used to we, back in the day of 10 years ago we used to freak out when prices would go up like 25 bucks a square foot now it's like You know over like a year or something prices can go up 25 bucks a square foot in in a weekend and go up another 25 the next weekend
1: (laughs) yeah yeah so you 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 snooze you lose in this business right so yeah
0: um Um, let's let's look at the pre-construction market specifically uh the numbers i guess we don't have officially out yet for 2019 the total pre-construction numbers But uh, we have a pretty good idea of of where things were in 2019. What surprised you the most about uh, the pre-construction market last year?
1: I mean, it was a pretty solid year, right? I mean, obviously, we go back to 2017 and 35,000 sales, which was just, you know, Mm -hmm. just unbelievable. It was just like nothing you could do. Yeah, I, I never would have thought it would reach those types of levels. Uh, especially when, you know, the fair housing plan was put in in the middle of the year and the resale market was 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 going down. They still made those. Now they put in a foreign buyer's tax. It's only foreign buyers are buying all these new condos. Keep them empty, right? And then the year with the highest growth ever for new condos was the year they put the tax in. So yeah, okay. Okay, guys on Twitter. Good call on that. Um and then you know 20 and then obviously when all those projects went to to go under construction and in, in, in 2018 you know these trades started you know cranking up their rates because they had the ability to do so all right mm-hmm. um and uh, and that i think Put a, a shock and a scare into some of the developers who who you know held off launching. But again, some of those launches were pulled forward into 2017 because whenever things are going really really well, yep. you know, developers will rush their project to market to kind of take advantage of that. So there wasn't as many projects that launched in 2018. So we had a lower lower level of sales. But the sale the projects that did come out did fairly well. Um, this year there seems to be a, a slightly slower pace of sales at the projects uh, when they launch. So they're you know they're not you're not selling 100% of the building in month one. And I think that maybe also has to do with the developers, um, um, you know, a little bit of scared about what happened in, in, in 2018 with a big cost increase. So they're not going to sell all their inventory on uh, in the first three months, they may um, hold back some inventory or significantly, increase the price of some inventory that they're not looking to sell so that when someone looks at it and goes, Whoa, okay, well, the penthouses is like 1700 bucks a foot. So I guess the, uh, the, the studios on, uh, the first, uh, five floors at 1300 is a really good deal. Right. So I don't know how much of that is going on. Um, certainly there's, there's the brokers are, are the, you know, the in-house brokers, the ones that are, they're selling for the developers. Um, they are, you know, being strategic in how they they set prices for their clients, um, especially when these buildings are going to take three to four years, in some instances, five years to build, you know, just want to get to that 60% sold and then, you know, um, make sure that they they have that uh, uh, unsold inventory to cover any potential increases and take advantage of, of future price growth in the marketplace. So. Um, so 2019 was a solid year. We're going to end up with over 20,000 sales again. Uh, I think I may end up, I don't know, somewhere around 23,000. So that's a, a, very solid year. I think demand is, is in the, in the resale market is probably closer to, uh, you know, 25 to 30,000 apartments, right. So, um, that will be owned and rented. Um, so I still think we're, we're lower than that. And, 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 you know, investors are are, are going to have to take into consideration that there's more purpose-built rental apartments getting built. So um, that's something that they probably have never had to consider before. Am I going to buy into a pre-construction condo and then right beside it is a new, brand new, you know, 600 unit purpose-built rental apartment, right? Um, so that's certainly something to take into consideration, but it's still, we're still building, building condos at a to, to to rental apartments at a seven to one rate. So I don't think that's going to change drastically anytime soon, but I've been doing a lot of rental studies. Uh, and so there's a lot of developers looking at them and, and and certainly the real estate investment trusts and, uh, some of the other, you know, patient capital sources are, are, are looking at, uh, building rental as well. Cause they just, they see what's happening in the, in the new condo market at $1,500 a square foot. I mean, that's just such a high number and it requires you to, to charge such a high rent to be cash flow positive that they say, you know, you know, we're going to see less investors buying in the, in the future. Right. Uh, it's just uh, for one, you know, the down payments are enormous. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, you've got to wait a long time to to actually be be cash flow positive. Right. Uh, even with mm-hmm. uh, the rising the, the how fast the, the rents are rising. So, yeah. Um, That's but,
0: interesting. So you're it, you're seeing a lot of, uh, of the, are you basically saying a lot of these big developers who have been building condos for years or decades, are starting to get their ducks in a row, so to speak, for uh, more of a Manhattan-like future where they're going to become more rental? Uh, they're,
1: they're, they're definitely looking at it. Maybe not the the, the, the biggest condo guys, but ones that are, um, I'm going to say, maybe the second tier, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, And I've, I've definitely done a lot of studies where developers have come to me and said, you know what, tell me what, this should be as a condo and tell me what this should be as a rental. Just mm-hmm. because we want to be prepared uh if market conditions change. Um right. and I think they, you know, some of them just want to wanna have assets, right? They want to have some some um stuff that they own as opposed to just in and out with a specific condo deals. So, um and and yeah, with where where rents are going, I mean they look and they see what Rents are in Manhattan and what they are in San Francisco, and say yeah maybe that's that 's the future of of Toronto, right, with four thousand dollar <laughs> rents for, yeah. for a two bedroom apartment right so um, so it 's always hard to tell where the where the market 's going to go um, I mean just I use information from uh, from Buzzbuzz Buzz home um, and I look at what units people are clicking on, right? So I get a sense for my clients to say, hey, this is where the interest is. Mm -hmm. Last year was just this ridiculous spike in the number of people looking at studios. Mm. Specifically units below 400 and even units below 300 square feet, right? Right. And I think part of that is is when prices get up 1300, $1,400 a square foot, right? Like the end selling price is enormous, the, 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 down payment required by an investor is huge. Yep. And they, in some instances, they just want to get in, you know, we just want to get into this building, right? We think this is a fantastic location. Uh, we just want to get in. And and, and obviously rents are really high on studio suites. And, and, uh, and if you're just an investor that's looking to hold for a long, long period of time, it's a great, I mean, they, because studios don't typically sell as well as a one bedroom in the resale market in terms of how quickly they sell. And, and, uh, um, just because people don't really want to live in 300 square feet, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> they will because they want to get access to the city. Yep. Um, but so it makes for a great rental unit. So I've been recommending more, more studio units, uh, for, for my clients. Um, and, but I do think part of the reason that they don't plan these ones is because You know when they go to the planning department and they have their public meetings, and then you know the nimbys come out and say, "Oh, all you're doing is doing these little tiny boxes, these little coffin homes. Like, why won't you build bigger units? Right? Right. Like, oh, bigger units are super expensive, right? You know, like I don't, I don't don't understand the people that are for affordable housing, but also want developers to build really large units. And I'm like, I don't understand what's going on, right? So. So anyways, that's always my uh, uh the thing that drives me mad that, that affordable housing advocates want larger units as well, so I'm like okay, right um
0: and they got to be in great locations downtown
1: yeah, exactly we can't
0: um, these are we can't put them out in the suburbs <laughs> great yeah. locations big size low price
1: yes, yeah,
0: so um
1: but yeah i'm i'm, I'm still I'm still bullish on the market. I just think that some of these, like, you know, super tall downtown projects are going to sell slower than they have in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're going to see a few more incentives. Um, but I do think, you know, just based looking at the, the land sales for, our, you know, I'm just working on my land insights report that I do with, uh, with Batory management um, and looking at land sales. There's been a lot in Scarborough. So a lot of developers are now starting mm-hmm. to look at Scarborough, along Kingston Road, uh, even, uh, you know, along the GO train stations, yep. uh, you know, farther north along 401. Um, and, you know, Tobacco is now, you know, getting a more larger scale developments. It was always, you know, more boutique style projects and uh, uh, not including the uh, on the water, obviously. Right. Uh, um, but most of the projects in Topico had been, you know, fairly small scale,
0: right? Um, Queensway, Waterfront, uh, yeah. Lakeshore, now,
1: yeah. And now we're seeing more, you know, big projects getting getting planned there, right? So big mall redevelopments, exactly. Like everyone is reevaluating their their real estate holdings and how what, what can I do to. Uh, um, to, uh, you know, maximize this site. Um, obviously cause the retail is kind of dying off. Like the big people will still go to the major malls, but I think the, the secondary malls are, are, are dying. Um, what else? Um, yeah, I mean, what,
0: what uh, what would you say is the biggest, like thinking about the individual condo investor in 2020, what would you say is their biggest challenge? biggest challenge facing uh, the condo investor, looking to invest or looking to grow their portfolio in 2020?
1: I think for me would be, you know, if you're going to buy downtown, and it's $1,300 a square foot. Do you think that that building will appreciate uh, at a rate uh, exceeding something well outside the core, but still close to transit. If if you can buy something at the Downsview subway station at 800 bucks a foot or $825 a square foot, how do you, you know, how do you balance those two? Obviously downtown you'll typically see higher appreciation, right? But if you've got to buy in it at, at, at a price that much higher, does it make more sense to buy in Scarborough? Does it make more sense to buy in Downsview or does it even make more sense to buy in Kitchener at, $500, $600 $500, $600 a square foot where mm-hmm. they're seeing huge growth in terms of population. They're seeing huge growth in the in the tech industry um, and, uh, and they've seen you know a few years ago prices were 300 bucks a foot in Kitchener, right? Like no one wanted to buy there ten years earlier I did a report for a developer and he was looking at building high-rise in Kitchener I said nah like this is 20 years away Right. <laughs> it was is twenty years away, away before you, you're going to start see any any traction on that. Right now, there's yeah. now there's like six or seven buildings under construction just downtown Kitchener right now. Right, yes. so yep. you know, projects selling out in uh, in a number of months. Right, so kind of kind of unbelievable. And then even you know, we've seen a lot of success in some of these what I would call retirement condo projects. Right mm. uh, along like Grimsby. St. Catharines, you know, yeah. even into like, uh, you know, even developers now looking at Niagara Falls, right. So Beamsville.
0: yeah, uh, those kind yeah. of areas, Yeah.
1: Cause you know, if you, you're sitting on a 1.2, 1.3 million dollar house in Oakville and your kids have moved out, you know, you don't, you're, you're not driving to work every day. It's like, you know, Oh, I trade down to a, to a 750, you know, $800,000 condo pocket, the five hundred grand and, uh, and, you know, go on some vacations, right? So mm-hmm. certainly seeing a lot of that uh, happening as well. And, and maybe there's, maybe there's demand for, for an investor to buy one of those units and rent them out. So maybe the, 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 these empty nesters want to sell their house completely and just, and just rent from now on. Right. So certainly that's, that's an option, but uh, um, yeah, I just, you know just looking at yorkville right like 11yv launches mm-hmm. at what 1700 1750 a foot or something mm-hmm. and you think that in 2016 2016 the project right down the street launched for 975 <laughs> 3 years ago yeah right
0: like yeah. yeah
1: and so you tell that to an investor like oh yeah well i should stay in yorkville right right,
0: right. yeah And exactly. two know, ways I to talk- look at it. yeah exactly the one yeah, way when exactly, I talk to you, the, you look at the
1: developers at it. they say like how is how is Yorkville not three thousand, right? Like how is it not more? It's obviously the most desirable neighborhood in the uh, probably the entire country to live in. Right, um, you know, it has right. all has all the the best shops, all it has the best shopping, the best hotels, the best you best know, best transit. Just you know, just you know, just yeah, exactly. You got two subway lines through there. You know, you can't walk along Cumberland and just not feel good about yourself, you
0: know? <laughs> <laughs> even though you can't afford anything. It's yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah
1: yeah, so there's two 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 thoughts right and i think for the for maybe the investor that's just starting out then yeah maybe not pumping all their money into uh into a a unit that costs fourteen hundred dollars a square foot um that maybe yeah they should look at um you know some of these these neighbor some of these projects are still under under a thousand dollars a square foot but you know thousand dollars a square foot is now in Parkdale it's now in Leslieville and it's now in north York and there's you know there's
0: uh there's very few places where mississauga um, has, mississauga's hit a thousand uh yeah Vaughn obviously is has, has hit a thousand some units right so yeah yeah thousand is not. Stuff. This ain't your this ain't your mom's thousand per square foot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thousand per square foot ain't what it used to be. It's different. Exactly, right? So um
1: I, I'm think I'm thinking that 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 the growth will be a little bit more modest this year. I don't think we're gonna see obviously we saw the you know 35% growth in 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 twenty fifteen, probably fifteen percent in twenty eighteen. This year was down to about five. So I'm guessing we're gonna be similar around five percent growth in uh in the marketplace. So, um, certainly that's, that's, that's positive, uh, because we don't, we don't want, we don't want growth to be too high. Uh Um, because then it just, you know, hurts affordability, reduces the number of buyers in the marketplace, but we don't want it to be negative because we still want developers to launch projects and we Uh want them to be bullish on the market. We want lenders to feel confident in lending to these projects. So, um, if, if we can have growth in the, in the, the three, four 5% every year, you know, that's, that's really good. Right. Uh, But yeah, 35% growth. I still shocked that the market uh, survived that, that Mm -hmm. we didn't have any type of major correction um, that we didn't have nervous lenders that we didn't um, um, we didn't have, uh, you know, but again, because the market is so lagged, we're not going to see the the closings for those 2017 projects until 2021, most of them. Right. So we'll see, we'll see if there's any issues with, with closings. I don't think there will, because like I said, pricing went up another
0: percent in
1: 2018, another (laughs) 5% in 2019. Right. So there shouldn't be any issues with, uh, with closing risk. Um, um, yeah, maybe, maybe some of them that some buyers that bought at, you know, a penthouse or, uh, uh, a peak unit might find that they're uh, they're they're quite significantly in the hole in terms of uh, in terms of rent, but the unit is the unit has gone up in value. If they're a long term, uh, you know, uh, hold, then yeah, they can they'll consider their return over the you know the ten fifteen years that they hold the unit, right? So, always got to
0: look at the big know. picture, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: And that, that's the hardest part for people to understand. They always consider, hey, what's what's the return in year one, right? when I buy a stock that I plan to hold for 10 years, I don't say I'm not gonna do it because the first year not, may not be as good, right? I wanna look at it, what's gonna be over 10 years, right? And, mm-hmm. and um, um, so I don't see why we should always consider the first year of a condo purchase, all right? Um, but hey, yeah. you know, that's that, that's my philosophy. I'm not sure the philosophy that you're
0: telling your clients. No, absolutely. Long-term, 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 long-term. It's, we preach it all day long. Unfortunately, it's the, the people who are the critics of the condo market, the critics of condo investors. They they have the short-term mentality, as you said, and they're just looking at, well, look, on paper, it looks bad this year. Well, who cares? How is it How is it going to look? In, ask me how it's going to look in 10 years from now, right? Yeah. I can show you a lot of things that don't look so great on year one, uh, but 10 years later, you look like a genius, right? Yeah. So. I mean, bottom line: if you look at any, even just a five-year hold period of time in the Toronto real estate market, any pick any five-year period over the last like 50 years, uh, you're gonna be you're gonna be doing fine. You're gonna be doing okay. Yeah. Uh, over if any five-year going, period.
1: Hey, what if you bought a unit in 1989 and sold it in 1994? Right? Like, yeah. Okay. We 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 can pick out one period over right. 50 years. Right. So. <laughs> Guess what? Investing there's you can't there's no such thing as a zero risk, right? If you want a zero risk, you'll get your whatever your government bond for you know whatever the return is on that, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, not very good, right? You got to take some risk, right? And fundamentally, people are returning to cities. People want to be in cities. I mean, mm-hmm. I think um, I, I've been meaning to write an article about this, but I think one of the the, the problems with Canada is we don't have enough big cities. Right, mm-hmm. so when I lived in Dallas, people would take jobs in Austin. They take yeah. jobs in San in, in San Antonio. They would they would go to Las Vegas. They would go to California. They'd go to Florida. Right. They yes. would They would make those moves like so easily. But if you're in yeah. Ontario, yes, you could you could go to a smaller town. Right. You could go to you could go to London, or you could go to Kingston, or you could go to uh, go to Guelph. Now maybe I guess Kitchener Waterloo has become a, an option that it never has before. But then other than that, you got to go all the way to Ottawa. Right. Um, yep. And then it's still, you know, it's still not Toronto. It's not, it's not Vancouver. Right. It's a uh, it's nice place. You know, I mean, my relatives live there. Nice place, but yeah, it's just not, it's not Toronto. Right. Um, yeah. And, no,
0: I, I did a podcast wanna, on that as well. I want to go to Montreal? it yeah. got
1: a language barrier. Right. You know, yeah. Like, like I, I said to someone
0: and they hey, were shocked. It's a million miles away. Yeah, <laughs> It's I, like a I whole said, different country. <laughs>
1: I said to someone, I said, do you realize that it's closer to go to Mexico City, Mexico than it is to go to Vancouver in wow. terms of, in terms yeah. of plumbers. as the crow flies, as they say, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you're trying to, try to drive it, yeah, you would, you'd be able to drive to Vancouver quicker, but um, yeah, this is just unbelievable, right? Like, it's just such a long distance, and such, and again, it's it's so expensive that someone really has to be taking a really great job to move from Toronto to Vancouver. And then now with the uh, you know the energy market slumping, there's not we're not seeing that same out migration from Toronto to Calgary or Edmonton. It's um, the
0: opposite, yeah. Everybody's well, coming kind of, here, as yeah, you said. They're, all they're the job that. growth in Canada is here, yeah, right now. So. Yeah, and I talked about it on a podcast as well, basically, the difference between Canada and the U.S. Like, you hit it exactly. If you're in the southern half, call it, of the United States, like, you can pretty much go anywhere in that, you know, in all those places you mentioned. And and it's the similar sort of lifestyle and climate. Versus Canada, like, there is no warm place to go in Canada. Everywhere (laughs) is cold, you know? Like, we don't have that same mobility like uh oh i it's like i can't afford new york new york has gotten too expensive chicago is too expensive i'll just i'm gonna move to florida i'm gonna move to uh nashville i'm gonna move to dallas as, as canadians we don't have an option like it's like if you're in toronto it's too expensive like you said where are you gonna go you know uh maybe kitchener You know, but you're still in the Toronto area, really. It's you're still in the economic uh, orbit of Toronto. Like, are you going to go to Montreal? Probably not. Are you going to go to Ottawa? Probably not. you going to go to Winnipeg? No way. You know, (laughs) (laughs) it's just it's just a reality of our geography that uh, we don't move around as much as Americans do. And there's no uh, escape valve uh, from an affordability standpoint. Yeah, There's no, you can't yeah. say, well, yeah, I, I'm going to leave, uh, I'm going to leave the big city and go down to the sunbelt and, and just go to a small city and be a, a big fish in a small pond kind of thing. You know, it's, we don't have that same, uh, geography to be able to do that.
1: Yeah. And even I got, I got a call from a, a reporter in, in Rhode Island <laughs> mm-hmm. a few, uh, a few months ago and I was like, well, okay, mm-hmm. this is weird. Um, and it's because, um, Jason Fane was doing a project there. So Jason Fain partnered with Edenshaw and did the Chaz condo. Okay. And so she was asking about Jason Fane and I said, I, don't know, I said, Chaz is a great project. They, you know, they sold above market. They kind of rein, reinvented Charles at Charles street as Yorkville. So it was like fantastic marketing um, mm-hmm. uh, for that project. So he was, he's going to be doing a tower in, in Rhode Island. I think it's at, at something like, $900 a square foot, some ridiculous number. And I said, um, oh, wow, that's interesting. Well, how, how, you know, can you get from Rhode Island to Boston? And she's like, I oh, like 45 minutes, right? And like condos in downtown Boston are like $2,000, dollars per square foot. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's just you know forty five minutes you know if you go in the subway it doesn't get you very far in this this city yeah. <laughs> you know, It's the Young and Eglinton from yeah. downtown right so right. Um, so it's it's kind of uh, it's kind of interesting how you know that Americans just seem much more uh, willing to to move around than, yes. than Canadians are I just I just find it shocking that people are complain every day that their their paycheck to paycheck they have no you know, they, they can't make things work in this city. And then I'm like, well, well, why don't you move? Oh, well, Toronto's my home. I would never right. go to Toronto. I'm yeah.
0: like, okay, right.
1: right. Like, uh, I came to Toronto because he had this seal, he had this ability to increase my income and, and, um, had a much, you know, uh, uh, an ability to, to move up and, and, uh, and, but if you, if you're working a job that doesn't have that, the city has a lot less, advantages for you right right um and as much as i would hate to tell someone yes you should definitely move you'd be surprised at how many people that i've talked to that have moved out of the city of toronto they're quite happy living in london and living mm-hmm. in uh sure in Kingston and living in in brantford and and uh and uh you know the place like you know grimsby and, and saint Catharines and and some of these other places so um you never know like i think i, I think you know it's been been we're getting totally off topic but it's been proven that your level of happiness kind of returns to a certain certain level wherever you're at right mm-hmm. so people think oh yeah I, I, I live in Minnesota and I moved to California. I'm gonna be so much happier because it's warm every day right, right. instead of cold but then when they, after a while they're happy for the first three months and after that it just returns to their baseline <laughs> baseline level right, right. So, right. Um, Maybe you' maybe you'd be happier living in Woodstock, Ontario and you come to Toronto three times a year on the train and enjoy all that Toronto has to offer for those those mm-hmm. things because you've saved the money by living in another community and you can get a similar job. Mm-hmm uh there than you have in Toronto and you may be a lot happier, right? So again, it's it's way off topic for a real estate podcast, but uh <laughs> always something these these are things that I always you know think about when people are complaining about uh complaining about Toronto.
0: Yeah, no. Well I mean I think it just goes to uh the region as a whole and um as immigration increases, like not everybody's moving downtown Toronto. I think that's a misconception people have about immigration is You know, all the new people are moving downtown or they're all moving into condos or they're all moving into whatever, you know, fill in the blank. But the reality is, as the city uh, has become much more expensive, I think the it will it's greatly benefiting all the other smaller communities, smaller cities all around southern Ontario.
1: Yeah. And I also think it's great that we can start bringing that real estate demand to places like. Like Scarborough right and that's why I was when people were very much against the the bill 108 saying oh my god it's going to you know we don't, if we have less development charges and stuff where we're you know these communities won't be serviced so I'm like they're not being serviced by new developments right now like in places like North Topico, and because you just can't make the numbers work right so yes maybe not as much will be collected in the downtown core but now projects will get built in places like Scarborough uh, and that will, and those buildings will improve the quality of those neighborhoods and be a benefit for everyone in those neighborhoods. Right. Um, and, and that's something that, 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 that people don't, d- don't discuss, right? Like just having rundown run down retail strip malls everywhere. Right. And then detached mm-hmm. homes that are expensive all around it. I mean, that's not, that's not a great community, right? We need a mm-hmm. mix, a mix of housing in all of these, these communities. So, so even people that are living in those single detached homes that are getting older have an option to where they they can move um, and stay in their own neighborhood and free mm-hmm. up that house for a for a family, right? So, so I I mean I'm a big advocate for you know for mixed income and 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 mixed unit types and and everything in, in all those communities and try to eliminate a lot of these these stigmas, right? You know, and these people get quoted in the newspaper. Oh, I don't want these stacked townhomes in my community. These are $1.5 million houses. They're going to be beside these. Oh, right. You know, (laughs) like just, I just can't believe someone would, would one think that, and then two go to a news, you know, go to a newspaper and say that, right. You Mm -hmm. know, yeah just i i I read those articles all the time and i just i just roll my eyes and can't believe someone would stand up in front of a public forum and say we don't want renters in our community we don't want those type of people all right it's like oh my god right like here we go again are are we
0: really doing this again
1: (laughs) yeah we, we will destroy someone if you comment on someone's race or their religion or their sexual orientation but yeah just open book to call out poor people <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> or, right. well not even poor people just uh like you say the the renter like just because you're renting and you're not buying it's like you're we yeah, don't they're not want, you don't want like you say. We don't want your kind here. What? Me paying three thousand bucks a month for a two bedroom? You don't want my kind?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's why I, I think it's hilarious when people in Parkdale were complaining. Oh, we want all these rich people coming to live in these condos. I'm like, literally, they have three hundred square foot units they're gonna, that are going to rent for twelve hundred bucks a month. I would hardly call someone living in three hundred square feet and paying twelve hundred dollars a month in rent a super rich person. Right, right.
0: right.
1: <laughs> so, but yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's, there's NIMBYs on either side.
0: Yes. Um, it's been great chatting with you, Ben. Uh, I know you have a new podcast that you are launching. Did you want to talk about that, p- plug that a little bit, and also sure. just uh, let people know, of course, how they can reach you if they want to uh, learn more about your services and what you provide?
1: Sure. Yeah. So we uh, launched the first two episodes of Toronto Under Construction. So I'm hosting with uh, Steve Cameron of uh, Cameron Stevens Mortgage Capital. So we're going to try to get – get people from the the real estate development industry from you know Everything involved in it, uh, we'll have have guests that are that are developers, have some guests that are in marketing, some guests in sales, and uh, and maybe we'll have some some uh, outside brokers. I don't know if you want those those types of people on, <laughs> on it, but uh, <laughs> but I think that's important. I think it's important to to understand what's happening in the investor community and and who these people are and, and what they're buying and why they're buying it. I think that's an important message to go out, and we want it to. I mean, obviously, we're, we're going to aim it at the development community, but we want it to have enough of a, a broad uh, base that that someone that's not a, uh, in the real estate development industry would would listen to it. So that's kind of the goal of that. Um, and yeah, so I, you know, I do real estate consulting. So I work for developers, lenders, uh, landowners, do market studies. That's primarily what I do. So uh, bullpenconsulting.ca and you can find me on Twitter espousing about everything real estate and uh obviously the blue jays and the Raptors as well so at ben myers 29
0: at ben myers 29 and you want to give a phone number or email
1: uh, it's ben at bullpenconsulting.ca if anyone wants to to email me i uh, occasionally get an investor calling and asking about a specific project which is always kind of interesting to uh okay. to, 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 to get how uh, you Should know, I buy
0: here Ben tell yeah, me, so, tell they, me they, they,
1: ben. They, they ask me that right so I always give them the good uh, a good uh good answer and and uh don't tell it them might,
0: them it, might it might be a mystery shopper it might be one of your developer clients pretending to ask about their own project
1: yeah. Yeah. so <laughs> don't buy I, there I, honestly, I always try to be as honest as possible, right? I, I try not to blow smoke up someone's butt, right? Mm-hmm. And even if it's even if it's one of my my clients' projects, if I if I don't think that the the price today is is a great price, I would say, well, maybe you could you know maybe you considered this project or that project, right? So I want them to make sure they're understanding, um, you know, why they're buying it as well, right? So. It, it, you get. I mean, I, I get calls every once in a while from 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 guys that own lots of units, right? Uh, and occasionally from what, people that own none. <laughs> and so that's yeah. a much different conversation uh, of yeah. things
0: that they need to consider. So, awesome, Ben. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon.